We've got Luke from the Consensus Network on today. Hi, Luke. Welcome to Rabbit Hole Stories. How has your day been so far? Hi, guys. Thanks a lot for having me. My day has been great. I'm I'm on holiday right now, which is which is awesome. I, I, I live in Finland where they give uh, very good holidays. So yeah, week three of four and uh, yeah, a little bit uh, not looking forward to getting back to uh, my, my day job. But uh, yeah, enjoying the summer. And no holiday will ever stop you appearing on Rabbit Hole Stories to uh, talk about Bitcoin, right? No, absolutely <laughs> not. My holiday is from my day job, not from my Bitcoin job. I've actually said that uh, more more than once. Yeah, that uh, this stuff is all uh, you know, the things that I do for for fun, the things I'd be doing anyway. So it, it, we all need breaks from time to time. But uh, yeah, definitely no holiday from Bitcoin for sure. Yeah, and thank you for taking the time out of your holiday to speak with us. And uh, as you know, at Rabbit Hole Stories, we're all about you and your journey into Bitcoin. So, Luke, what is your Bitcoin origin story? All right, thank you. Well, okay, so uh, I'll introduce myself quickly. I'm, uh, you see, I'm sort of half named kind of thing here. You've you've got my first name and my my Twitter handle. I'm still not all the way uh, un unnamed, so to say. But uh, yeah, I thought it was a little clunky using my uh, term pseudofin. So starting a little bit more towards the end, I, I live in Finland, but I'm not from Finland. And uh, the origin story kind of starts really a long, a long time ago here where I started to find different sources of information and lifelong inspiration that eventually built on that into my Bitcoin rabbit hole. So Really starting from the beginning here, some some context. I'm from Western Canada, the, the part of Canada where uh, most of the economy is based on oil and gas. And the economy in Canada quite generally is, is very reliant on oil and gas. It's an energy country, but much of the country and the current leader do not like to admit that or even like that at all. And the thing about it is, I, I'm not. I'm not here to to kind of talk about the the pros and cons of of being a, an energy rich society and being a, an energy economy. The reality was that where I was from, all of the jobs were in oil and gas in one way or another. It was either directly related to the producing or working with some kind of company that uh, maybe provided services or worked uh, indirectly with, with oil and gas, or then you, you spread out and it's all the services that work with that the employees. In other words, the entire economy revolved around, around oil and gas. And when I left school, so this is this would be a university in, in Canada, when I was in the, in the process of, of leaving school because I, I did an internship in the, in the, the middle, which, which was a, a real long break there. Uh, but at that point, the oil economy crashed. And the thing about that was the entire society became depressed overnight. It went from times are good and everything is, is feeling great and uh, everyone's going to have a job and, and everyone's prosperous, that sort of thing, to overnight literally anyone could get fired, could lose their job, that sort of thing. And I was starting my career in that environment. And, you know, I, I was, I was, sorry, go. Yeah. Do you have something? No. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, it was a silent wow. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> well, so, so, so my, uh, the, th the thing was, 
I was lucky in in a lot of respects to to be uh, somewhat tech oriented. I, I went to school for computer science and uh, gravitated towards kind of tech related jobs, and and managed to find uh, something that I could do that that was um, useful, provided a good a good uh, service, and I I really worked at it, got some got some um, experience that sort of thing, but I really felt like I I combine. I combined lacked direction and also felt the entire time that my situation was completely precarious. And so, yeah, the, the, the entire part of my life over there was really trying to find the meaning in myself. I, I came from a religious background, but had a lot of problems with that. Uh, over the years, I, I went back and forth whether I was going to be religious or not. And now I am mostly am not to skip to the end on that point. But the main thing was in the absence of being a religious person, I needed to find meaning in something. And so I'm going to start off with the, probably the, the most controversial part of this entire piece. So the person that I found refuge in and the uh, philosophy, so to say, that I found refuge in was Jordan Peterson. And the main thing was, I didn't find Jordan Peterson through his what you call 12 rules for life type of thing, the, the sort of popular stuff. And this isn't to, to diminish that, but it was uh, his original book, Maps of Meaning, and a series of lectures that he did on YouTube, the Maps of Meaning lectures. And the thing about that was I treated finding those lectures like a school course, like a university course, like I was taking his university course, and I watched them, I took notes. And to give you an idea of what this was, the entire point of Maps of Meaning was to explain how the world functions in the brain, essentially. It's, it's not about the empirical world that the world is made of something physical and uh, you can break it down scientifically. That's not how the brain thinks about that. That was the whole idea that us as humans break the world down into places of order that we know how to deal with. We know exactly what's going on here. And then chaos, that which is outside. And the entire human experience is basically making sense of order and chaos. So I'm not trying to say that those ideas are true in the sense of that that is 100% an explainer of all of human behavior. But I do assert that it's true in the sense that we act like it's true. And the same analogy can sort of be made of religion, first of all, that religions are kind of true because people act like they're true. God, that, that can be one thing. And interestingly, Bitcoin is, is also kind of similar in that sense. We act like Bitcoin is true, therefore it is, but it so happens that Bitcoin has a lot of things underlying it that you can go through and uh, somewhat prove out a little bit differently than uh, God or religion. The point here, though, so by it, taking in a, a, a new life philosophy, I was able to give myself some meaning. And I say it like that in the sense of that I believe everyone should take agency uh, in and of themselves. External 
people in the world, influencers or or uh, people producing content, whatever. And, and and I'm including myself as as that. You, you can only produce a message, right? But the thing is, every listener, every individual has to take in that message and do something with it. And so so I I personally take take ownership of my own journey in that sense that that I am proud that I was able to take that and put some direction into my life, actually start to have goals for myself and and begin to make sense of the scary world around me. And it really started a, a really long uh, path, a journey that's gone all the way up till now. And and I'll get to the Bitcoin of it uh, uh, soon enough, I guess. So so the the next person or influence on me was Joe Rogan. So I, I hadn't found Joe Rogan before before Jordan Peterson. And it was through Jordan Peterson appearing on Joe Rogan that I, that I made that connection. But that opened up a whole other world of, of just listening to smart people for three, four hours and, and listening to what they have to say. And oh, okay, maybe it's not something that I'm always interested in. But definitely, there were there were so many things that were new to me. And it, and it just made me love the podcasting genre in, in general, and completely contrast that as well to like mainstream television, right? Where you have literally 30 second clips, and then they had to move on to the next topic, maybe three minutes, something like that, and no attention span. And I liken that to high time preference, low time preference, right? Like if you, if you're really high time preference, you need to switch things off. Like, I mean, I mean, TikTok is the, is the, uh, you take that to the furthest extreme, right? You have to flick to the next thing in two, three seconds, something like that. But a podcast where you sit down for three hours, is just amazing. And I mean, some of my favorites, uh, from, from the, the Joe Rogan days are, are just stuff that I, that I find fascinating to, to this day. Uh, um, got the one, the one I'm, I'm rewatching over this holiday is, is Graham Hancock and Randall Carlson who talk about all this ancient civilization stuff. That's all a little bit, uh, a, a little bit crazy and out there, but it's kind of not if you, if you listen to them. So I, I'd recommend those guys, but I, I find them a lot of fun. But the, the, the point was I got to find, uh, some more practical, uh, advice there. First of all, Joe is a kind of guy who is into, uh, healthy fitness type stuff and, uh, really encouraged me to take control of my life. I hadn't really been a healthy person. I still am not really a healthy person, but I at least try to, uh, to exercise and, and all that. Uh, but a couple of other people that I found there, well, one specifically was Jocko Willink, um, ex Navy SEAL who, uh, wrote multiple books. Actually now it's, it's quite a few books about specifically uh, leadership and uh, how to act in business as well. Um, but but his main thing was he's just a, a hardcore guy who wakes up at 4.30 in the morning, no matter what, gets after it and uh, has funny catchphrases like uh, discipline equals freedom and uh, and things like that. And it's inspiring. I, I don't live up to that. I definitely don't. But I, I, I did. Well, I did try jujitsu for a while because that was the other thing that uh, Joe Rogan, Jocko Willink are kind of into. And uh, yeah, so so those things were kind of the practical side of Whereas where I would put uh, someone like Jordan Peterson is kind of the philosophical side, making sense of the world in a in a more cerebral cerebral sense. Everything was mirrored by this Navy SEAL talking about how this a certain experience that he would have on literally the battlefield of of Iraq 
would translate into regular life and business. And you know, I, I found it helpful. It, I, I have been in a corporate setting my entire career and navigating those things and especially becoming less of a junior person, more kind of intermediate in my career and getting into the Bitcoin space as well and, and trying to take on some leadership roles, so to say. Yeah, stuff like that is definitely helpful. But yeah, I would, I would definitely recommend uh, to check out Jocko Willink and, and his books are, uh, uh, oh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm blanking, uh, The Dichotomy of Leadership and I'll have to find the other one. This is embarrassing. The Dichotomy of Leadership was the second one. And Discipline Equals Freedom is one of the other uh, books. Uh, oh, well, sorry, Jocko. Isn't it but, also Extreme uh, Ownership yeah. or something like this? There you go, extreme ownership. Yes, thank you, thank you. Extreme ownership. Yeah, yeah, that's the whole. That's the whole thing is take ownership of everything, uh, basically to the extreme. So, uh, no, I, I took those two, um, two guys, Jordan Peterson, Jocko Willink, and and that became kind of my life fuel for three to four years, something like that. Um, Joe Rogan in there, uh, but then it then kind of to to finally start to get towards the Bitcoin side of it. Another person that uh, I, I found through this was Lex Friedman. And uh, not, to, not to go too long about that, but I just liked that he talked to different people and was able to talk from a kind of scientific perspective to other people from a science background, which is different from Joe, which is, uh, who, who, is, who is not a scientific person and he admits it, uh, even though he's smarter than I think he gets on, which is something you can probably also say for, for some other podcasters in our space as well. Um, yeah, they don't, a, lot, a, lot of, a lot of podcasters we know might not give themselves enough credit, I'll just say that. But uh, yeah, so so Lex was great, and the thing was when when crypto was going crazy and yeah, Bitcoin, of course, in 2021, yeah, Lex started having crypto people on, and I'm I'm conscious of my words here, so I'll go back slightly. My workplace back in 2017 was big on Ethereum, yay. I don't know why specifically. Even looking back, I can't really I can't really explain why it was Ethereum over Bitcoin. It was just more like uh, I, I think the narrative was that it's the new thing and it's going to replace Bitcoin, therefore it's better. But almost everyone bought a little bit. Okay, fine. Then it crashes, and of course I forget about it. But then when in 2021 it's pumping, it's like okay, did I have a Coinbase account? Oh, yeah. And my password manager. Yeah, it says I did. Okay, let's go log into that. And the maybe $30 I had in there was a little bit more by that point. So all right, free money. Great. So I promptly turned it into a, a whole bunch of shit coins. And uh, yeah, that was that was a good lesson. And that was also a nightmare on my tax form. And yes, I do do my taxes because uh, yeah, but uh, the the main thing was that started the whole thing off again, the bull run. That's great. But, but I, I had all these influences and these people that, that I kind of looked to and gravitated to, uh, for my information and to kind of grounded my, my life philosophy on. And so I, I was into the crypto thing as an investment and that, and that was really all it was, but I was looking for something more, something deeper. And so when Lex started to have some people on that were talking about crypto, specifically crypto in a in a intelligent way, 
Uh, oh, no, that was that was powerful. Probably every single crypto person he had on, I, I listened to, and I thought they they actually have something there that that okay, like I'm going to go look into that project and and see what it is, kind of thing. And the entire time, I hadn't considered Bitcoin at all because. Yeah, I I believe the narratives the that that Bitcoin is just this relic that it's not going anywhere, it's not the future. So, yeah, I I, I was going to be doomed to to just investing and and uh, you know having my balanced crypto portfolio. Which which, funnily enough, the only reason I started to to allocate towards Bitcoin at the beginning was because people on Reddit started to say. Okay, well, you should have a little bit of Bitcoin because it's like the blue chip and it's it's going to anchor your portfolio against volatility, blah, blah, blah. It's like, all right, all right, fine. But then Lex started to have some Bitcoin people on. And ironically enough, it was he started with uh, Pomp and Nick Carter, which, yeah, aren't the most popular in maxi circles these days. But to their credit, they both talked very well and very eloquently about Bitcoin. And it, it made me much more interested in, in it as a concept. Like, okay, is there something more to this? Is Bitcoin more important than, the, than these other ones? And and yeah, so that that kind of started it off. And and the the hilarious thing too is that is that you get into a kind of one-on-one podcast setting versus a show that someone's producing. Pump specifically is who I'm talking about. Completely different person. He's he's not putting on a persona or anything he's 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 trying to explain the bitcoin specifically and it's like okay well sometimes you just got to separate the message from the person and from the delivery and uh, and so those were positive things but the key guest on lex friedman was robert breedlove and this was something like a four-hour episode for sure and yeah like amazing philosophical discussion my entry into the world of yeah bitcoin philosophy generally i was absolutely hooked uh, in 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 hindsight he like he he was breaking down the bitcoin standard and his sailor series he was that's on like second viewing kind of thing after going through some of these other sources and all this but it was great it was fantastic and and i i think i think robert is is a is very good at uh, enunciating these these stuff like like he's a great podcaster, but I, I like I like when he when he speaks more. He he also did a, an appearance on um on Peter McCormack recently, what Bitcoin did, and and I, I love that one as well. Like like uh, yeah, he's he's definitely ingesting the the things that he's listening to, and he can uh, he, he can uh, explain it in in very good ways. But now to call back right to the beginning, the the main thing that hooked me though was right around the middle point. He starts talking about how this all works with Jordan Peterson's philosophy. And at the very end, he said that that Jordan Peterson's book, Maps of Meaning, was one of the two books that he would recommend reading. So yeah, that just hooked me. I, I knew I needed to know more. And the, the thing about it was it, it was that it was grounded in something that was familiar to me and also something that just generally societally had be controversial like like I was very careful not to be too <laughs> too open or forward about about being influenced by Jordan Peterson because yeah that like a lot of people don't like him or like if someone mentions that but it helped me a lot in my life and I'm not going to be apologetic about that and the thing about it was in bitcoin I found a place where I could actually be open about that and uh, be honest about what my philosophical influence was and 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 are so so the main thing was i i the fact that robert breedlove was talking openly about this and making that connection i knew instantly i had to i had to go learn more 
And uh, I mean, this is the point where I can pretty much just uh, sum it up by saying I went and watched the Sailor series and that did it. Uh, yeah, Michael Sailor and Robert Breedlove, that's a masterpiece. Um, the, the first nine, ten parts where they did it all in, in over the span of a, of a few days or something like that. It's just it's just amazing. And and yeah, it, it hit the right combination of of uh, just breaking things down to first principles, literally starting with prehistory, the history of man and how money fits into that, and and then explaining how Bitcoin is is the the perfect form of money that the the best form of money that humanity has conceived of, something like that. It was just it, and so yeah, there's there's really um, uh, past that point, it just turned into that uh, that maybe I wasn't quite a maxi yet but i i soon was i started finding all the um bitcoin communities uh, i i hadn't found bitcoin twitter yet uh, through all this uh, and and that was just opening up a whole new world especially to to find people locally as well i by this point i'd moved to finland and 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 that was a, that was actually kind of a contributor as well was was moving countries uh I, I ended up having a fair chunk of, of uh, my capital in, in Bitcoin by the time I, I moved. Uh, and, and it made it simple because I didn't have to do anything. I didn't have to. I, I, I did some things the traditional way, transfer through bank accounts, that sort of thing. But other parts, it's just like, well, OK, I've already got some in Bitcoin. It's like, well, yeah, I've got my keys. So I'm, I'm fine when I get to the other end. It was great. But uh, yeah, so that, that, was, uh, that was in the process. I, I moved in, in just about two years ago in, in 2021. And, and then, yeah, so, so I mean, my, my rabbit hole, that's, that's it. Uh, going all the way back to, yeah, Jordan Peterson, Joe Rogan, Jocko Willink, Lex Friedman, Robert Breedlove, Michael Saylor. That's it. I want to pick up on a point uh, you mentioned towards the end with the whole Peterson thing. Um, and I know a lot of people on the internet don't like his his current statements or, uh, to be fair, I, even myself, I don't like a lot of the stuff he sometimes says about like the Anon things and things. But you brought up a very important point. He contributed to a lot of people and I bet he solved a lot of problems for many uh, predominantly men, as far as he's always talking about, who had mental issues, and I mean, the guy was a was a psychiatrist for God knows how many decades. Um, he's probably in it to help people and not to 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 be a dick online. Um, so just just putting it out as a thought: if people are triggered by it, maybe take another stance. You don't have to agree with everything, and that's the beauty behind. Uh, I would say the Bitcoin community, right? Because we are taught about these things. You you don't have to agree on everything. Even when you mentioned Breedlove, Luke, to be honest, um, I think there are certain aspects of Breedlove that are good. I think there are certain aspects, maybe as a European, where I kind of go like, fuck's sake. Um, <laughs> that's very different than what we would say over here. Um, but, you know, that's part of that thing. And I think your whole story, even even from your background in the energy sector in Canada or like in the energy world, to coming into Bitcoin, it kind of feels full circle. So it, it was pretty fascinating to listen through the stages and go like, oh, it's, it's quite cool that he landed in the Bitcoin land in the end because it sort of was the evolution out of the whole thing. Yeah, I think so. And I, I mean, the, the main thing there is that I, I didn't... I didn't choose any of this. That's the funny thing mm -hmm. is, is that, uh, you know, I, I grew up where I grew up and, and uh, a lot of these things where I was making the, the best of my, my circumstances. I, I, I found jobs in the oil and gas industry because they mm -hmm. were the good jobs to have where I lived, where I had friends and family. And then, 
And then going on with that, it was kind of every time I would find something new and inspirational, I, I would dive into that and, and, and felt like that was something I needed to do something in it and, and Bitcoin, Bitcoin included. But the uh, mm -hmm. one, one thing I did when, when I was really inspired by, by Jordan Peterson was I, I made a podcast for a while that was, was kind of mimicking his, uh, he, he did an archetypal analysis of the biblical stories or, or at least the book of Genesis. And I tried to do the same thing with, with Norse mythology and, uh, and Finnish epic poetry of, yeah. So I, that's to explain the weird side of me and why I made it to Finland. <laughs> Sort of, but uh, I did that for for a while, and and it was kind of to to mimic the things that I felt were influential in my life, and try to figure it out. Because I I think the thing is, uh, as humans, we we try to to imitate the things that that we find influential or that we find uh, heroic or good. Like the the thing is a lot of behavior is, is about trying to mimic these hero stories that we see all around us. It's, it's, it's why we venerate sports stars and, and celebrities mm -hmm. and, and things like that. It's, it's not really because we, we think we're going to be exactly the same, but they're, they're aiming for some higher ideal. And, and the other, and the, the kind of dark side to that is also that a lot of people lack meaning or lack direction. And so, so they look to the, the distractions, the bread and circuses that are, Put around by society so it's like okay like go worship this pop star and then forget about how the economy is in total wreck right so um mm. it's it's it kind of all it all it all ties into that but yeah i i think i think uh i started to take some uh some ownership and agency of my my own financial um uh, not financial uh my, my like finding bitcoin was like everything started to actually make sense uh, like i tried to mm. I tried to invest. I, I owned a home for a, a while. Now it's like, oh, I, 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 I hate the thought of being tied down to a specific piece of, uh, of real estate that the state can just seize or uh, whatever. You're just stuck with a terrible loan or, or something like that. And yeah, all of these things have just completely changed my, my view on, on life basically. And so, yeah, uh, that's, that's my, that's my story basically. And, uh, I mean, what what you were touching on about kind of the controversialness of it is that uh, I, I hope those sorts of things aren't as controversial uh, when we uh, when we invert clown world with Bitcoin, something like that. It seems like in uh, while you were living in Canada, you uh, you had five big influences within your life, and the first discovery was Jordan Peterson. Um, so something obviously resonated with you and the message that he was trying to um, put out in the world and it kind of connected with you. And it seemed like then that led you on to Joe Rogan and then on to the next person and eventually down the line, the likes of Michael Saylor and uh, Robert Breedlove, where you then ultimately discovered Bitcoin at the end of that sort of hopping from that one person to the other, because th those narratives between those people must have built a bridge between each other. Does that make sense? Um, how has that now formed part of your day-to-day -day life? Uh, is, is Bitcoin ingrained in, in their messages with you? And do you, uh, or do you separate them? Does that make any sense what I'm trying to ask you? I think so. I'll mm. answer the question as I understood it anyway. So, so as I get it, yeah, the, the, the main thing 
the reason why I mention all of these these influential people to me is that they are important and and that I do try and take what they say into my everyday life. The out out of that that whole thread, probably the one that seems tangential is is Jocko Willink, the one that that I mentioned there. It, it it's not exactly like that led me directly to anything further, but the the main thing was that there's a practic a practicality to Bitcoin that that uh, as much as we can think about it in our heads, right? To me, we have to then take it and and start doing something with it, and. It's it's one thing to 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 put Bitcoin away and and never think about it. it. I I couldn't do anything but act on it on the things that I felt were important. That was that that was the difference. There was that uh, I I think in finding influential people that I based a lot of my own life philosophy on, who were doing things. That inspired me. I didn't aspire to be the next Jordan Peterson, but I mimicked what he was doing because I was so affected by it that I wanted to try to make something similar to 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 show, hey, like this is a set of stories that you are very interested in, the Genesis stories, the Bible. And Jordan Peterson is is uh, nominally a Christian, so he says. Uh, well, I'm not saying so he says, like he says so. So yeah, I'll give him face value on that. Um, and for me, I, I was influenced at that time by another set of stories and I wanted to try and tease out the parts of that that were important. And I wanted to also make kind of the assertion that that it doesn't have to just be Christianity. It, it can be something completely unrelated that also has some deep meaning to it because the, this is this is one point that uh, an important thing to me was that stories and mythology encode part of human nature deep down in the subconscious in the in the archetypal structure of it. They're they're lessons that aren't literal, but they do reflect a reality for human behavior. That was really important to me to to kind of make sense of my religious upbringing, first of all, to make sense of why people believed that, and also to to try and play with this from other perspectives. And so the main thing there that I was trying to do with that was make sense of, of all of these things that had influenced my entire life. And the thing was, by the end of this, by the, by the time I'd been making a podcast on mythology for a little while... Well, I, I kind of felt like I didn't need to do it anymore and I didn't really need to have this sort of um, belief in these stories anymore. I felt like I'd seen behind the curtain somehow and that I could see the message that they were trying to say. And then, okay, it's like, let's skip to the end here. What's the effect on life? What's the effect on what I'm going to do with my life? So this, so I think to try and answer your question a little more directly, that's that's always been there definitely that that I've tried to apply these things to my life. And and the more practical aspects of it were always to try to to do something with it. To to, I I wasn't content with just having my job and making a living and then, uh, well, doing whatever the heck I want after hours. I, I always had to have something on the side to one keep me busy, but also that that I feel like I'm contributing to something important. And Bitcoin. No, it, it quickly 
surpassed anything. Uh, and the, the main thing was I was I I was trying to find what I was going to do in Bitcoin for for a while there. Uh, I, I I would say I'm a, like a year and a half into being like a proper Bitcoiner kind of thing. And then so for about half a year, I was I was just trying to to be a part of the Bitcoin community. I I I joined Twitter. Initially, I actually had my full name out there, but but then I, I changed it after I kind of realized maybe this stuff is a little on the controversial side, and maybe I'll switch that one day. But I, I do still have some some fiat concerns. Uh, but the the thing about that is, uh, I do feel uncomfortable that I'm not fully unnamed. I, I think skin in the game is is important, and uh, to a certain extent, uh, the main thing is I think anyone who actually knows me knows who I am would would know who I am seeing this but the the main thing is that um that it's might might at least be a little bit difficult for someone uh some no no one could google my my full name and then then find me that sort of thing uh but but all that said uh, is that is that uh I have been trying to find the the way I would contribute to bitcoin for a long time uh, well 6 months or something like that but yeah I was I was I had ideas I was thinking of Maybe doing something similar to 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 you guys, like uh, just start a podcast and see see where it goes, kind of thing, right? But uh, I I was lucky enough that I I was given a little bit more of a uh, structure <laughs> to to do that. Uh, so I think what you guys are doing is brilliant, by the way. That that you've got uh, uh, that you're just out in the community and making connections and and getting great guests on, and and you've had plenty on, and I'm honored to be uh, one of those now. So um, and the. Uh, uh, I guess so. I, the the thing was for for me was that I found Consensus Network, which yeah, my shirt. Uh, and Consensus is a Bitcoin publishing house that uh, started as a as a translation house uh, essentially. So the the first book published and translated by Consensus Network was the Bitcoin Standard into Finnish. The the creator of of Consensus Network, his his name is Nico at Omnifin on Twitter. And he's from Finland, and in fact, he's he's from nearby where I where I lived for the first little bit when I moved to Finland, and uh, and uh, currently I'm still fairly close. But uh, he he uh, though ironically enough, he moved away from Finland and uh, had kind of had enough with it. And uh, the funny thing was, I had uh, DM'd him and Consensus Network, asking, "Hey, so like, do you know anyone in Finland who's uh, who's in the Bitcoin community? Anyone you can can point me towards?" Uh, because the thing was, I, I saw that they had Finnish language Bitcoin material, and and I was learning Finnish. I was I wanted to read all these things in in the Finnish language because I'd I'd uh, moved there, and I'm I'm trying to use the language as as much as possible. And, and yeah, I I still have trouble talking about Bitcoin stuff in Finnish, but uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I have the books anyway. But the, that was the connection, and so I I uh, DM'd him. And or it might have been the consensus network account, and uh, yeah, sort of started to make some first local connections. But the thing was, they put out a they put out a Twitter call out for it, help with marketing, basically. And the the thing was that uh, I, I took a I took a chance that that my having done some podcasting in the past could could be a fit for what they were looking for. And yeah, turns turns out it, it was they still needed someone to do marketing, and thank. Thankfully, we've we've found the the marketing person, so that's good. Uh, but they wanted also someone to to run their YouTube channel and then make content and that sort of thing. And so that's what I've been doing now for about the past year. And, uh, and so so I 
in practical terms, I run the Consensus Network YouTube channel, which is which is starting to be a little bit more than than just uh, uh, a couple of single shows. We're kind of a, con- a content network kind of thing, but I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. The the first show that I started producing is the Freedom Footprint Show with Knut Svanholm. And so Knut is is uh, is a, an author with Consensus Network. They also publish books. I, I skipped over this a little bit too much. They they translate books into basically they facilitate the translation of books is is the the kind of thing one that they do, and the other thing that they kind of learned to do in the process was publishing books generally. So uh, yeah, consensus consensus does everything end to end from publishing. Like if an author comes with a, a rough manuscript that they want uh, published, basically consensus can help with first of all. Uh, basic uh, grammar, punctuation, editing, that sort of thing. Like, uh, make sure that it, like it's grammatically correct, kind of thing. But, but also, also helping with uh, polishing the book and and making it ready for for actual publishing. Uh, so that's editing, and then translation can be done as well uh, from English to many other languages. The biggest ones at the moment are would be uh, French, Spanish, Portuguese, Dutch. Uh, we do some German as well. Finnish is still a big one. Swedish, Norwegian. So, uh, yeah, lots of lots of languages, and and not limited to just European. That just has been kind of where the uh, Italian. I shouldn't forget that. Uh, um, but yeah, we we're always looking to to grow with more translators. Basically, if people want stuff translated into other languages, the the idea is we know what to do. We know how the process works, and then when the translation is actually ready we can publish it then and, and get it out there. And and from publishing, there are a lot of things that need to be done outside of the um, the publishing, or sorry, just getting like a raw manuscript. Then there are a lot of steps that need to be done and that that can be done um, by consensus. Uh, typesetting the, the, the specifics, the technical specifics of making a, making a book laid out the way it is, uh, publishing an ebook, getting it printed, all those sorts of things. So yeah, consensus does uh, all that. So I realize I went a long way from your original question. <laughs> Mate, like I said right at the beginning, this is your journey. Um, this is your Bitcoin rabbit hole, and we're just along for the ride. And um, it's it's been a fascinating uh, journey so far. And um, I love the work that consensus are doing. Um, they're highly recognized within the Bitcoin ecosystem. Um, they've got a good reputation and, and the content that you guys are translating is important because we need um, the, the, the Bitcoin signal put out there to as many people as possible. So you're reaching out into communities that would otherwise not get the message. So um, that's significant. Um, but as a content creator, um, I feel very privileged to speak with all these Bitcoiners that come on our show that invite us down their Bitcoin journey. And I've learned a huge amount um, since doing this podcast. What sort of things have you learned and taken away whilst doing the same thing over at Consensus? Sure. Well, okay. So so I think I have to give you just slightly more context in that case. And the, the main thing is that uh, I spend a lot of my time uh, these days hanging out with Knut Svanholm, who's a real character. Yeah, yeah, you've 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 had him on, you know. But uh, yeah, that that's the that's the main show that we we produce over at Consensus, and and my role there originally was kind of uh, 
producer, but uh, pretty quickly that turned into yeah, I'm 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 the co-host, and and uh, me and Canute, uh, yeah, we're a good team, and so we we uh, we we really enjoy the the process of of uh, making the Freedom Footprint show, and that's a lot of fun. I also I also get to to do some other things. Uh, once bitten with Daniel Prince, now is, is putting the videos out on on the consensus. So that's uh, that's been great, uh, and uh, we're trying to also connect other content creators into kind of that network there. But uh, so the the main thing I've learned about this is that is that by talking to so many people you turn into kind of a connector yourself. That's how, that's how I feel is that, uh, I, I think the the biggest value in, in doing this is getting to meet people and understand what they do and what they're interested in. And then, Oh, they would be perfect if they talked with this person or, Oh, maybe they could help out with this or that project, that sort of thing. And th- the main thing really is that there, there are so many people out there in the space, like, we, what I mostly focus on is the the so-called philosophical side. It's not like I'm not interested in the technical side. In fact, I have a technical background. The economic side specifically is important. And I think it's a, there's a very blurry line between philosophy and economics within the Bitcoin space. But I think the, the main thing is I really like thinking about the implications of Bitcoin and what that does to change people's lives. I mean, the, the, the thing that I observed in myself was at least a consciousness of that I'm I'm absolutely way too high time preference. <laughs> like I still am. I I struggle with it all the time. Uh, my wife is much better at it than I am uh, at about uh, you know only only buying those things that we really need that sort of thing. But the the main thing is I I now think about it and I know it and I also I also can think about that that. Yeah, if if I am going to to store something away for uh, the future, that that's a good choice instead of gratifying myself in the in the short term. And it, it's it's all it's all these lessons that maybe as as a kind of more longer term Bitcoiner might sound, uh, yeah, like th- this is just what happens to everyone. But it it really is personal, right? Like everyone's journey is personal and. And the the changes and and those things are, are so fascinating. And and one angle that I really like to dig into is that it, if I think how would I orange pill someone, right? Like I almost want to give them so many examples of like people's journeys, right? And I wanna and and that's why I really like what you guys are doing because it's sort of like here are all these examples of how people have gone down the rabbit hole, right? Like. If if I've if I connect with some people with a similar background to me, right? Well, then that's fantastic. And and if there are so many other people out there with with different things, I mean, yeah, that's that's the whole idea. And and so I guess the one of the main things I've learned is that people have so many different backgrounds and so many different things they're interested in that you really just have to have to have these conversations and make these connections and help Bitcoiners connect with each other and grow together because. We all have this aligned incentive. Bitcoin has such an amazing property of helping everyone align to a common goal. And we don't even necessarily need to exchange sats to make that work, right? We can just, we can just help each other. That's what I found so amazing is, is that Bitcoiners are so willing to just help each other out. And, and as soon as you've, you've talked to someone and made that connection, right? 
it just becomes so much easier to think, hey, like, uh, well, hey, like, it would be great if they talk to this person because they're interested in doing that. And, and or, or even even the case of if, if someone I've met from the Bitcoin community needed it, needed help or was in my local area and, uh, you, you know, like like needed needed some some assistance or whatever it is. Yeah, like I trust Bitcoiners way more than I trust the average person, right? Just because we we have this this thing in common. And yeah, so so the main thing I have learned is that it's good to connect Bitcoiners. And it is like you said, it's an it's one an easy connection. Uh, funnily enough, I remember in Prague, like the. So we had industry day, second, the last day, the third day. Um, you had one of the girls. She had a bit darker hair. Um, she's working more on the left-hand side of the booth. Um, like the third day, she looked at me and she's like, haven't you bought a lot of books lately? I was like, yeah, you know, some friends, like they're in the States, they couldn't make it. So I was like, oh, you know, I can buy the book for you. I can then ship it and all of these things. Um, but she went like, oh, no, no, that's not an issue. Like, um, not a problem. We like to sell you the books. Um, but she was like, it's cool to see that Bitcoiners are actually engaging because you're often, you know, behind your laptop or your phone and um, it's not really a one-on-one a -on -one connection. Um, and secondly, I think most of us would agree we have so many different opinions, so many different ways into how we ended up in Bitcoin and we can be on total opposites of, I don't know, you know, let's go for political discussions. But somehow we still know like, okay, you know, they like Bitcoin, so we're okay with it. And I think that's one of, from my perspective, the most fascinating things and powers about Bitcoin that we very rarely speak about. Because we could really basically be a total gun nutter on one end and a total gun anti-hate um, on the other end. But we still manage to sit down at the same table and discuss Bitcoin. Um, which is also something I like with you guys in Consensus. You really take in all of the different uh, types of books, types of stories that are being told and uh, fit this in. And I just went through the YouTube channel beforehand. The Foot Freedom Footprint Show has actually a lot of the guests we also have on or we plan on having on. So it's also funny how um, how small the world sometimes is. Eh? Um, but in terms of your backstory when you started in Canada... The um, trucker convoys were a big part for many people I've spoken to in the last two years, maybe, who um, really opened their eyes and went like, oh, you know, I don't have to agree what happened there, but they, they closed bank accounts. Like, what the fuck's going on? Uh, do you think Canada specific, because we very rarely hear from those corners, can find its way more into Bitcoin? Because especially what's going on now, you sometimes really scratch your head and go like, this is happening in Canada. Like this is not happening, I don't know, somewhere in, in an authoritarian state or whatever. This is happening in probably the most friendly country in the world you can think of if you've been in Canada. So do you see a path where a lot of more Canadians come in? Or do you think, if so, they find different ways like you do, maybe move country um, or already are in Bitcoin and trying to help out otherwise? Yeah. Uh, first off, uh, shout out to Virginia because yeah, she's she's uh, definitely who you were talking about in the booth in Prague. She's fantastic. She does way more than uh, yeah, pretty much anyone anyone knows. She's fantastic for us. So hoping uh, she she does more and takes more on. Okay, to your question, Canada is extremely culturally divided. Uh, mm. Canada has some of the same problems that the United States has, just manifested differently. Mm -hmm. Canada could be. I've said four 
different countries, but just to simplify it slightly, it's three. Um, there is a part that is French speaking, and that part is constantly threatening to leave the rest of Canada. And yeah, that's interesting. Uh, they, they also happen to take quite a lot of money from the rest of the country. So that's also interesting. And it's why they won't leave. Then you have the English speaking parts, but there is the part with all of the population that's so-called central Canada, Ontario specifically is the, the province, but culturally that's also the the far west coast as well. So that should ring some parallels with the east coast and west coast United States kind of thing. And then you have the middle that uh, mostly makes all the money, but doesn't have nearly as many people. And so in a system of democracy, you, they have less power because they are fewer people. And that's that's created loads of issues. And and the thing about it is I do think that a lot of people from those parts of Canada that are a little bit more economically disadvantaged by their own government are going to be a little quicker on the uptake with Bitcoin. And as, as I've seen it, uh, Alberta specifically is starting to become a very central place for, for Bitcoiners in Canada. Now, I left before the trucker convoy, and I, I think probably that's a good thing. I, I might have been one of those people donating to the, the convoy and then getting my bank account closed. That's, that's entirely possible. I do feel somewhat like I, like I dodged the, the worst of it. Um, Canada has a reputation about being a very friendly country, but it's, it's really being taken over by some of the worst parts of the authoritarian left, I'll call it, in the sense of that everyone has to militantly fall in line with the current agenda, and specifically whatever Justin Trudeau says goes. And uh, no, I'll, I'll, I'll make no bones about it. Like he's, he's a wannabe dictator. And if there weren't at least some checks and balances in Canada, he, he effectively would be. He's got a cult of personality and many people in Canada are fooled by him. And uh, he's the worst thing to happen to Canada since his father was in power. Um, le legitimately, I, I probably wouldn't have, have left Canada if, if he hadn't come in and started enacting policies that were directly hurting me and the people around me. So, um, yeah, I, I, the, the best thing to happen to Canada would be voting him out of office as soon as possible uh, and undoing a lot of the damage he's done. And to further that, yeah, I, I think a lot of people are turning to Bitcoin there, but I'm not on the ground anymore. Maybe I've taken a, a way out in the, in the sense that I've, I've moved jurisdictions. And, and honestly, I can't imagine going back with Canada as... as as it is now. I, I went back to Canada for the first time not too long ago to visit some family and it's just not home anymore. And I, I think I think there are other Bitcoiners who who say similar things about that that finding Bitcoin and then they go find their Bitcoin Citadel or or something like that. And you know, there's there's cool stories about people moving to El Salvador or Madeira is a popular one from uh, from Europe side. Um, I haven't been there yet, but I really should go go visit. Um, and uh, the the thing was, I ended up in in what would what would by all accounts be <laughs> considered something similar, like a, a comparatively calm country, Scandinavia, Nordics, and uh, all this welfare state, high taxes, that sort of thing. But it's it's vastly different, and uh, yeah, people are uh, not nearly as as uh, interested in policing what's going on and and uh, yeah it might be high taxes but uh 
society kind of makes sense here. So I'm, uh, I, I'm, I'm here for the the long haul as long as I can uh, manage to get a permanent residency or citizenship or something. And I'm, I'm probably not going to live in Canada again. I would guess I wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's hard to hear. That you know the country that you um, were born in, and I'm assuming that um, is is a country that is unfriendly to your your values and your beliefs so much so that you felt that you had to to leave. And I guess that's where the the power of Bitcoin lies, right? Is because you mentioned earlier you just took your wealth with you, um, and there was you know you didn't have to really do anything other than just bring your cold storage device and keep your keywords in your head somewhere. And uh, that's the magic of Bitcoin is that you can make anywhere your home um, if it fits your values. Um, what is your Bitcoin fantasy? What what does a Bitcoin world look like to you um, once we reach that hyper Bitcoinization? I, I'm definitely a believer in the sense that, that I think, uh, I believe in a lot of... Uh, problems are caused by fiat. I think that is that is really true. I don't believe Bitcoin fixes absolutely everything, but it does fix the problem that the money, the medium of exchange, the store of value is in control of a third party, a controlling entity, a centralized controlling entity. You can you can say that it's all controlled by the Fed or whatever the U.S. dollar. Uh, ultimately, it's it's all out of control of the everyday person, so to say, and and it creates so many misaligned incentives to to uh, misallocate capital, to invest in things that would be discarded by the market. I I, I personally think that that. When when people say there's never been real communism, there's also never been real capitalism. And the the thing about it is, I I don't necessarily believe we're going to a 100% so-called anarcho-capitalist future, the libertarian's dream, so to say. I I, I kind of think Finland is an example in a certain sense of it's it's a country for some context that five and a half million people. It's it's. That's relatively small as countries go. It's it's quite large in terms of geographical area, but it's it's quite small in terms of people, and and it's it's just everything is is predictable. Life is predictable. People have agreed on a certain set of rules to live by here, and yeah, maybe maybe uh, the government does some kind of insane things, and maybe I would like less government power to intrude on the uh, freedom. Of people to choose or the government to make less decisions, something like that. But uh, for the most part, society just, you you pay a little bit more, but you get quite a lot out. And you should have Nico on and he can explain why Finland sucks. Um, but for me, I think that, that overall, uh, we probably are going to have something resembling medium-sized countries at most would be the about the largest like uh, a dream might be that that you have kind of cities with a with a rural area around them that that all have agreed to work together and cooperate and share the costs of security and uh, 
have their own policy on uh, on immigration, that sort of thing. And maybe you take it to the size of a country and, and maybe in a case where everyone speaks the same uh, language or or it's a region that can be self-sufficient, something like that, maybe those would be the, the types of groupings. But I do somewhat insist that we are going to need to go more towards what I would call like a consensualist view, what Knut would call a consensualist view. Like everyone has to agree. Everyone has to agree. And, uh, um, but it's a two-way street, right? Mm -hmm. It's not like you can agree, but one guy living off in the corner can just say, screw off everyone else. I'm going to do my own thing. You you, you do need to have a, a, some organization and some, some rules, and there's got to be a limit to the amount of, uh, I'm going to, go against the grain and do my own thing. Well, then you can, then you can go leave and make and join up with your own little group. I think, I think Balaji is, is kind of a, a big proponent of this with his network state uh, stuff. Um, but I do think some of this stuff is going to still be geographically based. So hyper Bitcoinized world, we take out all of the misaligned incentives in fiat. And then we finally will have a system where people can, can exchange value in a fair way and something that makes sense. This is the unit of account of Bitcoin. And then, well, what will be, will be because governments won't necessarily have the power to wage wars and the governments won't necessarily have the power to, to compel their citizenry to do something. And those things I think are net good, even if they might be less power to deal with say so-called threats but maybe that's a like security something like that but maybe that's a maybe that's a challenge in the future how people are going to have to figure out how security will work in the future how will how will people defend against uh those who have negative intentions but maybe bitcoin makes that easier as well not so much if bitcoin fixes this exactly but if the whole prosperity of the world grows right crime is crime is mostly a, a an effect of poverty right uh, that that people who are in desperate situations are more likely to resort to at least petty crime but then greed is another thing and i think that's also a fiat thing right that uh, frauds and and gaming the system right like all of those are bad incentives and and i think bitcoin does even that out it doesn't solve the problems but it it does take away the the bad incentives so that's I my dream yeah I, I can see your dream i can see your vision um and it makes absolute sense and it's something we've said more than once on this podcast that the fiat world has polarized us um from one camp to another um and it's suited them really in for, for them to drive their narratives and um like you said right at the beginning when you first mentioned uh, jordan peterson you used the word controversial um, because there isn't really room for discourse and discussion and working out because, you know, as soon as you say something, you're labeled, um, you know, something, um, and you don't really then have the opportunity to have a voice within those spaces that are against you. And I think with Bitcoin, there is an opportunity for us to, with our, um, narratives and our beliefs come together because we all agree on Bitcoin and we can work it out, um, because, um, all we need is a consensus network, right? Perfect. And well, you know, the funny thing about that is, is uh, 
this is why I've enjoyed talking to guys like uh, Jason Meyer. Or, or, I think he says it Mayer, actually. I, I think I've, I've uh, heard him say he's been annoyed about the pronunciation. So sorry, Jason, if I got it wrong and when we talked to you. But, but that reaching out to people on the, the more left side of the aisle, so to say, I, I think that's definitely important because the, the thing about that is, is, yeah, Bitcoin at the moment might be a lot of primarily right-wing people or at least people that are more temperamentally towards the right wing maybe the funny thing about it is i don't know that that's actually the case maybe that's just the ones who have made it onto bitcoin twitter or something like that and maybe twitter also uh gives some opportunity right that you can be anonymous and be a bit of a jerk and i do not agree with with jordan peterson for his his anon thing uh i do not agree with that at all i think he, he is missing the point but the thing about it is uh, slayer heroes is a little too harsh like it's you can appreciate part of what someone says and disagree with other things. I think that's that's mm. true. And holding someone up as a hero is the wrong way to approach anyone, really. I say that this person was very influential and their ideas were important to me. Still are. That's it. Full stop. It does mm. not mean I agree with Jordan Peterson politically down the line. The other side of it is that is that uh, yeah, people from both sides of the spectrum can come together into Bitcoin. And the, the thing about it is that I do kind of see that that a lot of Bitcoiners sort of fall away from this politicalness once you come into Bitcoin a little bit. And the biggest thing that I... Well, okay, so so one thing I've realized about myself as well is that like I was a I was super lefty for a while when I was in, in high school and university for a little bit because I thought that was the... Like they, they were the group standing up for the for people being oppressed by the by Christian church, you know, like like uh, like specifically uh, LGBT that sort of thing. I thought that was just really not cool of of the the church, and that was something I struggled with, you know. And and the thing about it though was that I realized I was more uh, anti-authoritarian. It, it wasn't necessarily just that. Uh, I was against the the right. I was against the authoritarianness of it. And then take that, fast forward that, right? I, I really see the, the authoritarianness being on the left now, that these are the people telling everyone what to do and, and you have to fall in line or else you're canceled from society sort of mm. thing. And, and the biggest thing, the biggest flaw I see with, with people on the left these days or the left's ideas that are... are infecting people and and bringing them into their that worldview the biggest problem with that worldview that i see is that it just discards what people on the right are saying right out of hand without listening to the point that they're making like you disagree with with leftist doctrine x oh you must be sexist racist homophobic whatever it is no it's it's that there might be something that the left has not considered there might be second order consequences that haven't been considered and i think i've turned into more of a cautious person in that sense and i think caution also somewhat temperamentally leans more towards conservative political parties over time that's that's one reason why why voters shift right so to say as they mm -hmm. as they grow older it's it's really not so much about becoming a uh hateful old white men it's becoming a little bit more cautious that sort of thing and uh, conservative in the in the more direct sense like let's let's not change anything too quickly mm -hmm. or too harsh and i maybe that's also the thing is that is that 
I see a lot of narratives from the left that really just want to fix the world immediately without without understanding that maybe that you have to to take this a little bit gradually uh and 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 so yeah getting that side to come to the table and and get into bitcoin a little bit more i think that would be absolutely valuable because yeah i i i i think it's it's good to get everyone into bitcoin first of all but it's also mm. i think the the pathology of the left a lot of people can get saved from being stuck in that uh worldview which i think is is very destructive and and currently is the um driving source of a lot of fiat problems but again it was the right about 15 years ago maybe so in my view i just wanted to say because i remember especially during the last three years with with my um previous involvement in my work i saw a lot of my friends who you know still to this day you chat with them and you're sort of being labeled as conservative and i go on well hang on a i'm not you know <laughs> If I have to look at like the labels you see in, in the mainstream media, right? I go like, no, that's not me. I'm just willing enough to question, hang on a minute, maybe, just maybe it makes sense to listen what they're saying. Because uh, I have my beliefs, I have my values, and I can sit down at the table, look them in the eye and say, no, that doesn't make sense because ABC. Uh, and I think a lot of that is being driven by that fiat mindset of, you know, divide and conquer those are sort of the, the main things you see in the media landscape but also obviously uh, sort of dollar hegemony having a lot of power over certain countries um i'm not sure have you read um because i think he's not with you guys with consensus have you read alex gladstein's newest book the imf book i haven't read the, the book but i i read like all of his pieces uh yeah, okay. before that too many books to read <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but but no no no. I'm, I'm familiar with his his whole uh thesis and i think this book is in my kindle somewhere yeah 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 I, it is scratched noted on my head with like every little detail i found yeah uh and when i take these things in and i look at them and i go a lot of the points he's making are very you know uh, i'm calling it old school liberal so you know standing up for minorities all of these things making people aware of the unfairness that's been going on especially in africa that's what a lot of the the book's focus was on as well in asia um However, yet, if you then say, you know, the solution to this is not to uh, have centralized authorities or, you know, new, let's um, save the kids programs, it's actually to give them an opportunity through, for example, mining with hydroenergy and being less dependent on expensive uh, energy costs out of uh, um, south Af southern part of Africa, if I'm not mistaken. Um, or all these other different incentives that Bitcoin drive. And because there is no one in the middle issuing that Bitcoin or issuing that schedule of how you end up there, it inevitably is a net benefit for everyone. And I think if you start looking at the world this way, and Ian and I, we often also have different you know, points of view. Um, Ian is maybe more the hipster, uh, uh, big town boy. <laughs> I grew up on the countryside. So those are different values you bring with into each other. But again, you end up at that point, we both agree on Bitcoin or on its uh, values. And therefore, we'll find a way of getting that discussion done. And I think a lot of that sentiment is also pushing through, especially with people like Jason, and um, also people who are maybe more vocal on the left, if you think about a um, Ben, 
Van der Waal, De Waal, I, I can't remember his last name. Van der Waal, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, these people are fundamentally important to get in and get these people out, and maybe they encourage people who are more on the left-leaning side to actually speak out, because I think it's like you said, it's just a Twitter echo chamber where certain individuals are the loudest, and naturally, if you already hear the same things happening again, at one point you're fed up and you don't really want to want to get back to them. Um but yeah, it's definitely, it definitely will take some time, but you know, that's why we're here and who knows, maybe a few consensus network books will also help get the job done. Yeah. Well, and, and here, that, like, that's the, that's the thing too, is that there are so much content being produced. It does not have to be under any one roof. And, mm. and, and the w one thing is by, by just a lot of, uh, ge <laughs> geographical where this was founded is that consensus has a lot of, a lot of connections in, in Europe and with European authors, but mm -hmm. uh, America is a lot more, uh, BTC media is, is, is a big publisher there. And I think that's what both Jason and Alex's book are, are in. And, mm -hmm. you know, that's great. And, and, uh, books come from many different places uh, consensus is just offering a a certain service set so to say and uh, the main thing as well is bitcoin only gotta be bitcoin only mm -hmm. and uh, mm -hmm. uh or or bitcoin compatible as well because uh, mm -hmm. it, it doesn't have to be stuff that uh, is directly bitcoin related there can uh, be books like uh, daniel prince's uh, choose life for example mm -hmm. uh, is mm -hmm. is not really a bitcoin book exactly uh, it's uh, yeah there's there's a lot of uh, different things there also knut's von holm's praxeology book is a uh, mm -hmm. introduction to austrian e economics essentially and uh, bitcoin is not mentioned once as i understand it as well i'd like i i know he's said that I'd, i i don't recall seeing bitcoin in there once so uh yeah but the the thing about it is that uh these tools to talk to people, right? It's important because when people talk about, uh, I, I've had this personally, like concerns about the energy use of mining or mm -hmm. does Bitcoin only enable uh, criminals to money launder, right? And and so, the, yeah, the counter is, okay, here are, here are the facts about Bitcoin mining. Here are all the things that Bitcoin is doing for freedom. Also, if they're getting a little crypto curious well here's why non-bitcoin stuff is maybe not a good idea maybe we shouldn't mm -hmm. be scanning our eyeballs to get two two dollars of uh, a new cryptocurrency that i won't name um but the the yeah it, these are all tools right and i mean the, the the thing with it is that i've only really talked about bitcoin to people that i care about mm -hmm. and they don't all take it uh not really one of the the people that I'm close to uh, before Bitcoin have really taken on to to Bitcoin in the same way I have at least, and you know, certainly it's there's a, an aspect of waiting for the right time, and uh, in some sense it's my duty to at least say that okay hey I'm into this this is really I, I think this is important and maybe you should. Uh, consider looking into it. Here are some resources. You're you're concerned about the energy use. Okay, well here you go. But ultimately, it's up to people to take their own journey and for them to be ready for it and to them to understand. And and this is this is why that the the global South or the third world or whichever is the correct term for that <laughs> these days uh, might be at an advantage for figuring out Bitcoin because financial insecurity makes for uh, a much more likely person to to take on the bitcoin people who are more financially secure who don't have the motivation to change mm -hmm. might not uh, take that step until it's 
far too late or or at least uh, and before other people have have made that journey and uh, but then you get to the sort of the unfairness or inequality of it all and and that there is much more capital in the developed world in north america in europe in uh uh, East Asia, Australia, that sort of thing. And so the fewer people who get into it can get into it with far more capital than someone from mm. Africa who who literally might have cents to spare at the end of every month or something like that. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, if they can just get that little bit in with lightning, for example, or uh, uh, make small steps to bring the community over something like that, I, I think those parts of the world will make make huge ad- advancements. But the 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 flip side of it too though is that is that inequality i think has been in, really entrenched by by fiat but it's also not something that can be solved just by saying all right you in the developed world you've got to pay up and and make this right mm-hmm. i think by by making the financial system more fair we can make this right and that's that's how to do it without without being unfair to whole other groups of people basically who have nothing to do with the historical circumstances no one does no one chose where they where they were born into right no one most definitely no one look before we end things we have a little segment at the end of every episode where we want to show that all roads lead down to bitcoin we'll try at least to show and uh, we ask all of our guests at the end to come up with a way from one word to end up in bitcoin so if you hear the word, you have some thinking time now, but we'll obviously cut it if it's too long. And uh, then have to explain either by a story, by an anecdote, whatever comes to mind to get people down um, to Bitcoin. And we thought today, because uh, we wanted to time this out for Infinity Day, that your word would be infinity. <laughs> so you would have to find a way to get this back to Bitcoin. <laughs> well, you gave me an easy one. Thank you. All right. Well, so infinity. This is the encompassment of everything. Okay, so all the wealth in the world right now is tied up in some combination of real estate, stocks, bonds, cash, holding under their mattress, that sort of thing. Well, <laughs> and in this brand new thing called Bitcoin. And Bitcoin, because of its perfect properties, or not necessarily perfect, but good enough to last forever properties, is that it is vastly more fungible. You can transfer it across time. You can transfer it across space. So much easier than, for example, gold, fiat currencies. So Bitcoin is going to be a better store of value compared to everything else. And over time people are going to choose to put their wealth out of whatever else they they held it in and they're going to put it into bitcoin therefore bitcoin is going to trend to infinity and infinity <laughs> divided by 21 million is the formula of bitcoin infinity day and so i understand that if this is going to come out on either on bitcoin infinity day or maybe a, maybe a little after but uh bitcoin infinity the concept is that Bitcoin is for everyone and Bitcoin is also something that has infinite potential, infinite potential. So all of the wealth in the world 
maybe that's maybe that's one thing you can think of and you have these amazing old bitcoins going to go to the moon and all this but no bitcoin it really has <laughs> infinite potential to do everything for the world and so so bitcoin infinity day is just an idea for everyone to celebrate somehow in their own way that we've made it we've we've gotten into bitcoin and maybe there's still there's still a lot of work to be done but at least if you're here you've 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 figured some of this stuff out and and now you're along for the ride so that's fantastic so <laughs> yeah celebrate somehow if you like and uh yeah we're we're uh, at the freedom footprint show we're going to be doing a live stream for uh yeah for four hours or so uh from uh, 4 p.m to 8 p.m central european time that's that's 10 a.m to 2 p.m eastern standard time but i think that's that's going to either that's after or very close to when this is going to come out but feel free to join us and i'm saying that to the two of you personally as well uh and the main thing is uh as a celebration it's also more like every kind of holiday there's there's something to think about right and and i think to think and reflect on how bitcoin increases your personal potential that's what i'm going to think about and how i can increase how i can take the potential of bitcoin and grow something from that in the coming year so that's the point of infinity and yeah so yeah take from infinity down to bitcoin yeah it's like all the wealth in the world is going to go into bitcoin everything divided by 21 million that's it i love it each and every one of us have, has got an infinite potential um and uh, thank you for your time luke um it's been fascinating and i'm looking forward to listening back to this one when it goes out and uh, joel any last comments no just a regular uh, we've got luke's social linked below and check out all the links from the topics mentioned in the episode and uh, yeah look you're now a friend of the show so you're welcome back every time and uh, looking forward to from what i've heard seeing you in riga if, if i'm not mistaken i'll be in riga definitely perfect perfect so i'll see you see then, you then. <laughs> ian joel thanks a lot for your time thanks for having me i appreciate this uh, it's been a lot of fun